Welcome, everyone, to 34 Cersei's Salon. Make matriarchy great again. Matriarchy after dark. Indeed. And I am Sean Marlon Newcomb, and you are... Don Sam Alden, and we are going to talk about... Yeah, this is our Feminine Divine series that we had tentatively titled Just Keep Climbing. Yes, that's right. But uh, I don't I don't know if that's going to stick. So Yeah, I, I think when I put up the episode I'm just going to call it Feminine Divine. And okay. we'll let the we'll let the goddess sort it out. Exactly, we'll let her guide us. And as I told you, I still haven't put that episode up. I will put it up tonight, but it's Get maybe something it. to talk about. Maybe there it's something to go. talk about. Why, why are yeah, why are why you feeling this resistance? Why are you why are you nervous about it? I think it's you know, we do have an issue about the feminine divine. It's it comes off first of all, it's like why is a guy interested in that? Right? Mm -hmm. It becomes this kind of there's a lot of different takes on that and for just your average Joe six pack, it doesn't come off really well. Okay, so we'll we'll talk about that a little bit. Well, but there's well, also just the culture where yeah. you know, we don't historically we haven't handled this sort of notion, and you have a beautiful bit of poetry about that that I think we'll we'll talk to. But you were asking, you were about to say. Well, why don't we just go ahead and read the poem? Okay. Um, this is a poem that I came across on the interwebs. You know. Um, it's going around as a meme or as a, I guess you would call it a meme, a little piece of um, poetry that everyone is sharing in my circles. And I shared it uh, on our Make Matriarchy Great Again page, which is a private page that Sean and I and a couple of our compatriots use to gather information and, and uh toss out ideas and things like that. You're not supposed to tell about this, only for the initiates. It's right. It's very secret. And, um, and, and Sean, you said you had a really powerful response to it. So when we were talking about um, what to talk about today, I thought, why don't we talk about this poem? Because it has, it has so many ideas in it. Um, it is written by Caitlin Shetler, S. H-E-T-L-E-R, and um, she does have a poetry page on Facebook. Um, so if you search Caitlin with a K, Caitlin Shetler Poetry, you can find uh, this poem and other ones. And um, I believe she just called it Mother. And it goes like this. God is a mother. And with that sentence, the world stops. The world always stops when woman and divine commingle, as if the feminine dilutes the miraculous, when in reality it embodies it. When Jesus turns water to wine, they clap. But when women turn breasts to milk, they cringe. A broken man's body is celebrated each Sunday, while a broken woman's body is just hidden away. 
And it's no wonder that mother is a word used by men to demonize those who don't claim the name and weaponized to shame those who step out of line because their ideal woman plays the role of nurturer and silencer in pews built and led by them. But when God becomes mother, she is neither quiet or compliant. She leads confidently. She questions authority. She commands respect, which might be the problem. For Mother God did not gather us up carelessly, but took her time with it. She fed us milk, birthed our souls, and broke her body. And the permanence can be uncomfortable. And to disentangle God from motherhood is impossible, but to disentangle God from womanhood is sinful, because seeing God as mother is one step closer to seeing God in me, and it's in that I am truly born again. Wow, that's really beautiful. Isn't that gorgeous? Oh. Yeah, it just gets me. It gets me. And um, you know, how, yeah. how does it get? How does it get you? Because I imagine yeah. it's going to land on each of us. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, it's it's so many different thoughts. You know, each the thing about um, the thing about it that I love so much is that each stanza um, is almost a separate aspect of this idea of God as a mother, um, and yet they all build on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, what about in each? I mean, what? Well, you know, God is a mother, and with that sentence, the world stops because we are so socialized in, at least in, you know, the good old U.S. of A., to believe that God is father, right? It's Mm -hmm. been Christianity, all of the Abrahamic religions, um, Christianity, Judaism, and um, the Muslim faith, Islam, uh, all, you know, have this basis in God as a father, as a patriarch, not just a father, but a patriarch. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Buddhism is based on a male Buddha and Confucianism is based on Confucius, who is male. So it's, it is such a radical concept to most people to even conceive of God as a female, as a mother. I think that's the first thing that I have trouble with in terms of, in terms of openly exploring, right? In terms of mm-hmm. sharing that, because as I said in the first episode, I am attached very strongly, very deeply to my faith. And my mm-hmm. faith is Christian faith, it's Catholicism. It has these this imagery and this language at its center. Okay, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth. Right, that is like the opening of our creed. Okay, and so it's very hard to disentangle that from the the faith I have. I don't think it's impossible, and I don't, and I wouldn't be on the journey if it were. But mm-hmm. it's that's that's a big part of the problem because the language and of course we're inheriting this stuff historically 
the belief of what God is is a spiritual and transcendent, okay? Mm -hmm. God the Mother, God the Father. The way it's expressed in temporal form is a function of history. Right. Right. I mean, the very idea that you can assign a gender to God seems to me to be uh, a uniquely human failing because Mm -hmm. only humans would think that we could put God in a box like that. (laughs) You know, it's because we, we were, we have this divine spark within us. We have this consciousness. So Mm -hmm. it's, you can see it in contemporary behavior. And I think you can see it very strongly in patriarchal behavior, the sense of a God complex right? Mm-hmm. This whole notion of these, we create, we have great achievements, we create great things. Uh, I remember someone I know saying that he was the center of the universe, you know, it's like this kind of sensibility. And I think yeah. that's why you get this, God looks like me, I'm the patriarch. And right. that's the way you should. Well, and so there you go. Um, you know, you had talked to me, we had mentioned earlier about how does it feel to um, to not have a God that looks like me, right? Mm-hmm. I'm the other in that scenario. Exactly. And, um, and, you know, the, the person that said to you, you know, I'm the center of the universe, everybody feels that. I'm the center of my universe. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I can only be inside myself. I can only, you know, see the world from my point of view, through my eyes. I'm the only one who's going to be with me for my whole life, you know? So, I can also assure you this person was also talking about the universe. So <laughs> because of our discussion that he and I were having, he literally, it's just, I am, you know, I am the center. Wow. Okay. Well, that's a different, that's a whole different way of looking at the world. (laughs) There you go. Exactly. This was a very, yeah. yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, we, we all do, we are all the center of our own universes. You know, we're all the hero of our own stories. Um, so I think part of the reason why I was never, you know, having been raised an atheist, how, why I was never, why none of the traditional relig- religions ever stuck with me is because of this, because coming at it from, you know, from not having been socialized to it, from an almost an outsider perspective. And even, you know, even the most liberal forms of Christianity, still, there is that essential understanding that sin came into the world because of a woman Mm -hmm. and and i just refuse to accept that you know i no i i I agree i i have this is a really big problem for me i mean this this notion i mean to have faith now my faith isn't undone by these particular questions. I think mm-hmm. that's partially what I, I get concerned about when we're talking about this and we're sharing this. These questions I have, I don't think in any way 
imperil my faith that there is a higher power or even mm-hmm. the specifics of my faith in God and in Jesus and I believe in the Blessed Mother. I, it doesn't really imperil that for me, but I do have a big problem with just the kind of details of the notion that yes, that somehow as a woman, you are the representative of why we have sin and why we are flawed. This is no different than what the Greeks had said, mm-hmm. right? The, I mean, mm-hmm. the Greeks were masters of blaming women for all that is ill. In right. fact, they even say it directly. Yeah. Um, so it's not new, you know, and this comes from the Old Testament, right? This comes from much, much earlier teachings. Yeah. So, but it's a problem for me to look at it that way. It's also a problem for me to think that there is somehow assigned to a particular gender, a divinity that's not assigned to another. Right. That's a problem. I yeah. just, I don't, and particularly because I see the, the universe as being giving birth, as being creative, that it, there's more mm-hmm. reason to conceive of it in the feminine, in terms of its birth, in terms of right. the, the all divine. Yeah. But, that, so that's where it becomes like, do I even want to talk about this? Do I even want to say anything about this? Or am I going to be, you know, it's like suddenly it's the 11th century and I'm on my horse with my sword fighting off being excommunicated and being called a heretic as I, you know, <laughs> but it's problematic for me. You know, it would have always, it would have been problematic for me then. It would have been problematic for me in the second century as this, these things were being developed and discussed. You know, what I said last week is that there, there isn't, you know, of all the primary dominant religions, there isn't one uh, where women aren't, aren't essentially, um, you know, told that they're second-class citizens. So why would I embrace something that tells me that I am not worthy, that I'm not as good? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, no, just, so none of the major religions, neither Christianity. No, Jesus, they all—all of, all of them turn me off. All of them turn me off, and and I do not understand fundamentally. You know, not having been raised in a religion, and so not um, having, from the time that I could understand the universe, not having that sense of um, of um, security that comes from being part of a faith. Um, you know, I cannot understand personally why any woman would would belong to any of these religions because, in my point of view, all they do is tell you that you're less than and, you know, tell you that you're supposed to be putting another class of human beings in front of you all the time. And that's that's dehumanizing, that's humiliating, and I think... Um, it is, it is not doing justice to the divine in me, mm-hmm. you know, going back to, uh, Caitlin's poem, the last stanza of the poem says, because seeing God as mother is one step closer to seeing God in me. And it's in that I am truly born again. Right. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not Christ's rebirth. It's the fact that a woman gave birth to me and 
when I was, you know, an infant, she was God. And if you tell me through your religion that that idea of God as a mother is not only completely incomprehensible, it's, you know, the work of the devil, it's the temptation of, you know, the evil forces in the universe telling me that I am, you know, that I might somehow see myself in the divine and see the divine in me, then you are, you're preventing me from ever connecting to the divine. I can see that. I want to, though, point out that for women in, in these other faiths, that there are traditions for them and there are traditions about them that I believe they can hold on to and grasp and, and grab on to and see as their way to express. Faith. Oh, you know, it you know, ha- I mean, there have to be whole, because yeah, but, there are so many women who are Christians. And if there was truly, you know, nothing but abuse for them, then, you know, heaven, heaven knows that, you know, eventually they would all fall away. But, but still the fundamental understanding of God is one that does not include me. It's interesting because I think the, the there are more regular attendance by women. Oh, than, yeah. Than yeah. Men, so. But again, you know, also there's a cultural aspect to that. You know, church is also also serves a social function. Um, you know, I know that uh, some Southern women have told me that, um, you know, that church is like is the most important cultural function of society in certain Southern communities, that that's where you see your neighbors. That's where you, you know, catch up with people. That's where if something needs to be addressed in the community, that's where it's addressed. So, you know, there are, there are many functions that church, um, that, you know, church groups and parishes and things like that serve that are tangential to religion. Um, I'm looking at something here, and I, I'm trying to get the date on it, um, if I can. But it's a breakdown of the different, not just Christian, but uh, religious groups, main religious groups in America, and attendance based on gender. And I think it's really fascinating, because we're focused on Christianity. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of religious attendance... So this is, and for the listener, I will try to find the date of this. This is from the Pew Research Center, which everybody is well aware of. This is respected. Mm-hmm. Um, right, right. Well respected. Well respected. So we can have some confidence with this. So in terms of Buddhism, 51% of people who are uh, religious tradition or consider themselves these particular groups who, who um, label themselves as yeah. of the Buddhist religion, right? Okay. You know, gen, gender composition by religious group. And so 51% is male, 49% mm-hmm. is female. So it's more Catholic, it's 46% male, 54% female. Hmm. Evangelical Protestant is 45% male, 55% female. Hindu is 62% male, 38% female. Hmm. Historically black, black Protestant is 41% male, 59% female. 
Uh, Jehovah's Witness is 35% male, 65% female. Jewish is 52% male, 48% female. Mainline Protestant is 45% male, 55% female. Mormon is 46% male, 54% female. Muslim is 65% male, 35% female. Orthodox Christian is 56% male, 44% female, and then unaffiliated religious nuns are mostly male. So it's interesting that almost all of the Christian groupings, except for the Orthodox, are predominantly female. Yeah. And the um, some of the other groups were predominantly male. So it's just an interesting because we're talking about, you know, you're like, why would, you know, women. Yeah, I, I don't understand yet there, that. Yet, there, yet there's, it's, it's something for. There's got to be something there. Up. Yeah. Whether it's socialization or whether there truly is some sort of, I don't know. I don't know. You know, not being a Christian, I cannot speak for those women, but I. I, I think at its core, they're the fundamental, I think what resonates, I can't speak for women. I'm just going to say what I think resonates is feminine the feminine divine is that at Christ teachings at their core represent a lot of the principles of the feminine divine that we talk about yeah, in terms of yeah, love, I would agree with that. unconditional acceptance mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And I think that really appeals to women. And for me as a Catholic, as a Christian, I, I like to believe that that light shines through anything that anybody tries to put in front of it, whether you're some weird guy trying to put a ring on your daughter or whether you're just trying to sequester women, like that's going to come through no matter what in that faith. And perhaps that's what resonates with women. That's a guess. Mm. Yeah, that the, the power of that, of that belief and, and those traditions um, overcome all of, you know, human males' attempts to uh, twist it to their own purposes, maybe. Maybe, you know, I can't, I can't say. What happens for you in looking at, let's, let's broaden the scope just a little bit. Like what happens for you just in looking at our cultural expressions of the divine, our, our sense of, forget the Christian God, although I know we are in a Christian structure, but just the idea of a world in which that which is divine, no matter where you are, is generally that which is male. Yeah. So when you look around across I mean, how do you think that, how does it affect you just going through your daily life? It it affects me the same way that the cultural representations of men are everywhere. You know, that uh, you walk into a church and every, you know, all the busts and all the pictures of the saints and stuff, it's predominantly male. You walk into a museum and the, you know, majority of the busts of historical figures are male. You walk into a university, um, you know, the, the uh, university where they have the paintings of all the previous deans and they're all male. You walk into the you know, the White House or the Congress and the statues and the paintings are all male. I mean, it's, it's, religion is no different from anything else in my life in that it is not made for me. It was, it it is not fashioned for me. How often do you practice what you practice? 
Or how do you practice what you practice? Maybe that's a better way. Yeah. Well, we talked about I follow the wheel of the year. So, um, you know, so there are eight sabbats. There are eight holy days in the pagan calendar. And um, and they, you know, are the equinoxes, the um, the um, oh, my God, I can't remember the word. <laughs> <laughs> it's OK. I don't know all the saints days. We, we have a lot of them. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, this is, you know, welcome to my brain fog that comes with menopause. It's well, the best. But, um, yes, there are, eight cycle, there are eight festivals that have to do with the cycle of the year, that have to do with, um, you know, when you plant, when you reap. Um, there is, a you know, to everything turn, turn, there is a season. What, yeah. what about a daily practice? Like something, do you pray at night? Do you, no. you know, is there a day of the week that you say, okay, this is my day? To no, no, not at all. Not at all. It's, um, uh, I think with Vicky, we talked about the idea of karmic yoga mm-hmm. and, um, and the idea, and we talked about, um, the two of us talked about the good, the idea of the good red road in the Sioux tradition. So, my practice, okay, so the, one of the things that I loved about Native American spirituality when I was introduced to it was that it was not a system of beliefs, it was a system of actions. Mm-hmm. So the focus in the Native American spirituality that I experienced, and you know, there are 500 nations, so again, there is a great deal of variety and I cannot speak for everyone. But in the Oglala Sioux tradition of Eagle Man, the focus was on the way that you interacted with the world, not on your system of beliefs. Mm-hmm. So you walk on the good red road. You walk in rhythm with the earth. And if you do that, then you are walking in a sacred manner. And mm-hmm. that is your devotion. Okay. So... It's not something that I do, you know, that I like set aside a time for and I get all my religion in in that time. And then for the rest of the week, you know, I'm off the hook. It's everything I do. This conversation that we're having now is part of my spiritual practice. Everything that I do, the way I interact with my dogs, the way I interact with other people, the way I interact with the earth, the way I try to reduce waste, the way that I recycle and compost, the way that I touch the earth, the way that I look at the sky, the way that I talk to trees and, you know, try to, um, try not, you know, I had a fly in the house this afternoon because it snuck in when I had the, the screen door open and, you know, I'm trying to do my work on my computer and the damn thing is buzzing around the room that I'm in and driving me crazy. So the way, rather than killing it, the way that I, what I did was spent 15 minutes guiding it back out of the house so that it can go off and do its fly things. You know, who am I to kill it? I can't give it life. Why should I take life away from it? So in doing all these things and walking this path, do you 
do you find that there's a conscious there's that there's a conscious sense of that you're connecting the way for example if i'm when i pray specifically i'm looking to connect to the bond like i'm reaching out mm-hmm. to the bond. so I, and that's just a regular part of my life that's a part of uh, it's a conversation that happens often throughout the day right, right. so that yeah and, and then there was a particular time where i specifically focus on a particular way of devotion which is on sunday mm-hmm. sometimes other days and there are other things like the rosary and all that but they're all the the main purposes because one you want to connect with the divine two you you are by nature having a conversation with the divine so is that when you're doing all these things when you're out in nature and you, you're, you're interacting with whether it's with a tree or with the fly or what the way you interact with people and walking your dogs is there a, a sense that you are communing or is it simply you by your existence you are simply going through and that is your communion it's kind of like so i grew up in new england and a lot of the swimming that we did was in rivers mm-hmm. and I used to, um, you know, you would always try to swim with the current because, you know, you'd get into the river upriver and then you'd swim to your campsite or whatever, you know, where the car was parked. You'd want to swim downriver because, wow, you could swim so fast. Yeah. You were swimming downriver. But if you went too far and you turned around and you had to swim against the current, well, then you were working so damn hard and it felt like you weren't getting anywhere. So for me, when I walk in a sacred manner, when I walk in rhythm with the rest of the earth, it feels like swimming downstream. And there are times in my life where I feel like I'm swimming upstream, where I catch myself in a moment going, oh, why is this so hard? Then if I, you know, have the wherewithal, which isn't always, I'm, you know, a stupid monkey. So, you know, I, I don't always act As the best way. We all are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I have the wherewithal to say, hang on, we're swimming against the current right now. Why is that? What can, what can I do? How can I, you know, just take one step to the left? or one step to the right, come at it from a different angle and and appreciate and fall into rhythm with whatever the task is that I'm trying to accomplish or the relationship that I'm trying to nurture, whatever it is. Um, And sometimes, you know, Sometimes I can get myself to get back on the right path and act in a reverent manner towards everyone around me and the task that I'm attempting to do. So, so spiritualism is about being. So this, you're it's about how about I, yeah, it's about okay. how I interact with everything around me. With, with the reality that I'm in right now. And, you know, if I am nice to a person but then turn around and scream at my dog, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not acting in a sacred manner. 
what do you want from your faith? Like, what is it that you want? Or is there something you want? Is it, again, is, is oh. it conception of simply being? I'm being, I yeah, live in this I moment. I don't think. I, am I going to another plane? Am I understanding why we're all, you know, is there some other notion? There's no goal with with my faith. You know, it's not like I want anything. I guess mm -hmm. I Yeah, I, it's not, it's more, you know, a long time ago, a guy uh, that was a sound student at, a, at a, um, a film school where I did a short film, he asked if he could interview me for a sound project that he was doing. And one of the things that he asked me is if your concept of the divine like if you could talk to them, what would you, what would you say? What would you ask? What would you, you know, what would you say to them if you could talk to them in person? And what took me by surprise, because, you know, the, you think of all of the cliche questions like, you know, why is there evil in the world? And, you know, why do good deeds, you know, not are not always rewarded and, and, you know, why do good people die and all that sort of thing. Why do they cancel the shows? I really, why like? do they cancel the shows? I really like exactly. Right. Like you'd mm -hmm. think a, a loving God would, would remedy that, but uh, right. would know just what to program on exactly. <laughs> or a cable platform. I totally don't get it. Yeah. But, um, but what came out of my mouth was I would ask what else I could do. Interesting. Like how else can I serve you? How else yeah. can I, you know, is there anything I'm not doing that I could be doing to make my life and the world a better place? It's a beautiful, right? just the phrase of what else can I do, I think is really beautiful. Yeah. It's a really, really and, nice and, way of saying it. And then the second thing I thought of was I would say thank you. Because, you know, I mean, I have a lot of privilege. Mm. Um, you know, I was, I was raised upper middle class. I'm white. Um, I'm smart. I'm able-bodied for the most part, able-bodied. Um, you know, all my limbs are still attached. So you're living I, in the most prosperous nation that has ever existed. Exactly. Exactly. I, I was born to, you know, smart, articulate, um, fairly decent parents. You know? mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, I had a lot of I had a lot of um, advantages growing up. I have a lot of privilege. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. that said, I still have had some shitty things happen to me in my life. I've, you know, suffered for some depression. I've lost, um, you know, people that I love. Um, I've been sexually assaulted on numerous occasions. Um, Sorry. Yeah, you know, hashtag me too. Mm -hmm. um, so... 
so, you know, there's a, there are a lot of things that I could say, like, why did that have to happen to me? Mm -hmm. um, but all things considered, I am so, so grateful I am having this earth walk. Mm -hmm. I am so grateful. What an amazing opportunity to be alive. It's, it's mind-blowing how amazing that opportunity is. So when I take the time to talk to the divine, to pray to the great mystery, I find that all I'm doing is saying thank you in a bunch of different ways. I think that is a beautiful place to stop. Would you mind? No, no, that's fine. Yeah. Let's just stop right there because that is a really beautiful sentiment and a really beautiful thought and a really beautiful thing to stop on. Awesome. I'm going to play our wonderful music. Awesome. And then thank you for sharing all that you shared, Dawn, Dawn Sam Alden. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing, Sean Marlon Newcomb. This has been the 34 Circe Salon. Make matriarchy great again. The feminine divine. Indeed. Thank you. God bless. bless.